Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. It's my pleasure to introduce the second guest from across the pond, uh, but we have our first female guest from across the pond. Um, it is the one and only Dr. Carrie Jones. How are we today? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Now, there might be some people out there who are listening who maybe perhaps don't know much about you and what you do. So rather than me waffle on, what I would like you to do is just give yourself an introduction to the listeners about your career to date, you know, the research that you sort of done and, and, and what you do at this current moment. And that will hopefully lead on really good to today's episode. <laughs> I think it will lead on really well. So I am a naturopathic doctor in the States. I also have my master's in public health. And women's health and hormones is the only thing I know. It's the only thing I really studied. It's the only, it's the type of practice that I have. Um, and right now I'm the medical director, or I have been for years now, the medical director for a specific hormone test known as the Dutch test. And so when people ask me all the time, they're like, do you know anything about my kid? I'm like, nope, I have no idea about your kid. Or they'll say, you know, I've got this back pain. What do you recommend for back pain? I'm like, I have no idea that I'm, I'm not your doctor. But if you are a hormonal mess, if you are struggling with hormonal problems, um, I am your girl. That's, that's what I know. That's what I do. That's what I research. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. Absolutely love that. Now, I've said to you off podcast, and I'll say again, for anyone listening that might be thinking I'm speaking really slow, it's just so that we don't need a translator, right? So I right. guess I'll just, I'll just delve right in. And today's episode is all about the menstrual cycle. And I think that menstrual cycle um, is a topic that not many male coaches in the industry, in a bodybuilding industry, will talk about. And it's something that, it's the number one thing I will talk to clients uh, about because ultimately it gives you a kind of, gives you a kind of bind. Because growing up as a female, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how many females out there perhaps had a conversation with anyone about, right. about their cycle. But there's maybe still some people out there listening that um, perhaps don't have much idea about what the menstrual cycle is. So before we kind of go into how you could lose it, I thought it would be a good opportunity for you to maybe explain in layman's terms, you know, are there different phases? What sort of different phases are there? Um, and how that can sort of coincide with different hormones and whatnot. Absolutely. And I, I love that you're doing this because I find so many women don't understand the basics. I will, um, for example, on, on Instagram last night, I put a, quiz about the just numbers the basics of hormones and of the number of people who got just the basics that we we just aren't taught it it's not taught in school or and so we talk about the ovulatory phase and then we talk about the luteal phase and basically what that just means is every single month you go from having a period where you bleed out you shed off the inside of the uterus if assuming you're not you're not pregnant and then you go through the whole process of building back that up again you want the inside of the uterus to be thick and fluffy so if you are trying to get pregnant then implantation can happen and you can grow a baby i'm not saying you have to do that i'm just telling you that's what's the whole goal every month is to make the inside thick and fluffy and so that's what happens through those four phases and when to do that there are four main hormones that literally work like an orchestra to go up and down. So in the first part of your cycle, you have a hormone called FSH, follicle stimulating hormone. 
and estradiol, which is your most potent estrogen, they're really dominant. And then you ovulate, which is ovulate means to release an egg. And the hormone that's important there is estrogen leading into the hormone called LH, or luteinizing hormone. Once you release the egg, once you kick that egg out, you make progesterone. And progesterone is our calming, soothing, relaxing, everything's going to be okay hormone. And estrogen is still important there, but not it's not nearly as high as it was, or it shouldn't be as high. And then assuming you don't get pregnant, that's not your goal, then all the hormones come down and you start your period. And then you start it all over again. Literally, <laughs> from day one, you just start it all over again. And those four hormones go back and the orchestra starts back up and you do it again. Awesome. And I think that that's probably the most simplistic way you could <laughs> say it. So thank you for doing that. And one thing that's really common here within the bodybuilding scene is a loss of cycle as mm -hmm. women pull body fat levels down to extremities for this sort of one given day for a show or perhaps a, a photo shoot. Um, but not a lot of people perhaps know why this happens. Right. And a lot of people say that, um, oh, it's, it's just down to stress on the body. Um, but I think that you being the expert in this could maybe give us a, an idea of, you know, with with those sort of hormones, is there anything that's dysregulated or, yeah. or, or what do we see usually? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a doctor, a California uh, gynecologist. Her name is Dr. Felice Gersh. And I heard her speak years ago and she said, ladies, whether you want it or not, you were put on this earth to reproduce, right? To have babies. You don't have to. I'm not telling you to. I'm just saying this is this is what you do. So everything in your body is designed for are you safe enough? Are you fed enough? Are you do you have enough body fat to grow a healthy baby? Even though you may not want a healthy you, you don't want to get pregnant. You're not looking to get pregnant. That's not your goal. Your body doesn't know that. And so what happens is that if you when you uh, reduce your body fat down to a very low level for your shoot, uh, for your stage, there's a hormone that your body fat makes. It's called leptin. And leptin tells the brain if uh, it's, a, it's a hormone of like uh, satiety or fullness and energy burning. But it's a very important hormone to tell the brain if you have enough fat to carry a baby. And if you don't, then the brain goes, okay, no menstrual cycle this month. We're not going to ovulate. We're not going to do the orchestra. She doesn't have enough body fat. Or it'll be irregular, right? It'll be kind sure. of this weird, she gets this weird period, or it'll be long. She's normally 28 days. She has her photo shoot and like, you know, on the 38th day, her period starts. Yeah. And so that one hormone plays a really big role and it's, it's made out of your, our body fat in men and women, but particularly in women, we're very affected. Now, on top of that, a lot of this, um, a lot of bodybuilding um, and getting stage ready and getting ready for photo shoots can be really stressful. And as a result, our stress hormones go up, cortisol and adrenaline or noradrenaline. Now, I talked about those hormones earlier, FSH and LH, and they are very, very impacted by your stress hormones. And they, they are produced in the brain in, um, in different amplitudes and different frequencies, right? Yeah, sure. And so when you have a lot of stress hormones in the brain, you can suppress the frequency or suppress the amplitude of these of the pulses that these hormones put out. Now, FSH has one amplitude and frequency, and LH has a different one, their, their signature. 
So if you have enough cortisol and enough adrenaline, you can suppress both of those hormones. The brain can go, this is way too much stress. Cut the show, cut the lights. Nope, we're not, we're not doing the pregnancy thing. We're not doing the period thing. Or you can have just enough stress that you don't ovulate. You don't make progesterone, but you'll still get your period. So you have more of those um, high estrogen symptoms, right? PMS, your period's heavier, you're moodier, your breasts are big and tender compared to last month, which is different. And so between leptin and between the stress hormones, when you're getting stage ready and when you're getting photo shoot ready, especially if you're trying to do it um, quickly, you know, or stressfully, which I know a lot of women do, um, they often will report to me like, but, and, and they may not see it as a problem. You know, they're like, oh, I skipped my period this month. Woohoo, that'll make the photo shoot easier. But if they do it repeatedly, that's when it becomes a problem. Now, it's interesting that you say that because I have one client who she competed two years ago and she was buzzing when I said I'd set this podcast recording up. Um, she lost her cycle, but we regained it. It mm-hmm. took about, say, I think it was six or seven months yeah. Um, to come back and I know that to be fully recovered we need three right but yeah. she was so determined she wanted to, to go into this next show um, the year after and yeah. I was like okay and, and said oh, right, maybe we shouldn't do it but she, she wanted to do it so she done it and it's now seven months on from the yeah. second show and mm-hmm. it still not came back now I think this leads perfectly into my next question because so, right. there'll be so many bikini girls out there thinking, I'm in the same shoes. I've competed <laughs> I've competed two or three years in a row. In that mm-hmm. time period, I've maybe had two cycles, very infrequent. Now, mm-hmm. from what I know, it mostly comes down to reducing stress and mm-hmm. upping levels of body fat, upping calories. But I think there's a big thing over in the UK about people getting their bloods checked. And that's that, that goes about and it's often said in a very sort of blase way, but I kind of sit back and go, right, oh, hang on, yeah, let's get them done, but let's talk about perhaps what's the main things if someone got a blood test to, to for them to look at, because I know that's your field. So for any of the, the females that are listening that are thinking, yeah, right, I'm going to go to my GP and get the buzz on, what should we be looking for? Or what perhaps is something that we right. look at and go, whoa. Right. And so here's what's interesting. When they go to their GP, let's say um, they go to their GP Tuesday on a, at two o'clock, right? And their GP says, all right, let's get some bloods tested on you. And they draw their blood right then. And then they bring it to me and they say, I got my hormones checked. What do my hormones mean? And I'll say, well, Tuesday at two o'clock doesn't tell me anything. But what I need to know is where you are in your cycle. Because like I was saying, that orchestra goes up and down depending where you are in your cycle. Sure. So if you are, if you are, if you are on day, if the first day of your period is day one and you're on day 10, let's say, and you say to me, I got my bloods checked and my progesterone is zero or really low. I'm very, you know, I'm like, yep, that's normal. On day 10, that is normal. On day 24, that is not normal. So it really depends on where you are in your cycle. So I'm always educating my women. You want to go after you would ovulate. You're doing hormones in the blood. You have to go after ovulation. You're looking for like day 19, day 20, day 21. Sure. If you have a 28-day cycle. Now, for the woman who's like, well, I haven't, I haven't had a cycle in seven months. What, you know, what do I look for? So then we're looking for things like you can test leptin. It's, it's, you could, it's a blood draw. You, you go in and get it done fasting. 
You can look at your thyroid. A lot of times when you are extreme prepping for these events, um, it can really affect your thyroid. It doesn't mean you have um, like, like severe thyroid disease, but it is a mechanism that your body uses to help you because you're really slimming down, your calories are really maybe restricted, um, your stress is really high, and so of course it's gonna affect your thyroid. Your thyroid gland, which sits in your neck, really affects your menstrual cycle. It's another gland that helps protect you against are you healthy enough to have a baby if you wanted one. The other thing that I tell women is that other things I, I like to check, um, I do like to check some basic stuff like red and white blood cells. You know, I just wanna make sure there's nothing weird going on there. I do check their electrolytes. I'll look at, especially if they're um, work severely dieting, you know, and, and dehydrating themselves. So I'll look at, you know, potassium and, and uh, calcium and, and things like that. Um, but most of the time, what I'm trying to focus on is a high, is higher up. I'm looking at uh, thyroid and I'm looking to, it leapt in and I'm looking to figure out why the brain still thinks it's not healthy enough to have a baby. Yeah. So I've actually heard a few educators over here mention about the importance of the thyroid. And we know that with dieting, um, that will, you know, it will try and slow everything down and the production mm -hmm. will uh, of thyroid hormone will slow down. So that balance, that sort of, it seems like a very delicate balance between trying to restore kind of normal thyroid functioning to restore the, I would assume, the normal hormonal cycle, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. What, I, what I would ask is, let's say if, if I'm kind of going down the rabbit hole here and understand we could be here for ages, but let's, <laughs> let's say that thyroid function had been restored, but you were seeing, still seeing irregularities with the, the cycle, where would you kind of go down the rabbit hole from there? Um, usually then I go with brain, because remember, it's the brain that tells the ovaries what to do. Sure. And so the brain is really, really dependent on things like your circadian rhythm, your light and dark exposure. Um, it's really dependent on the, your stress, your perceived stress, your actual stress, cortisol, adrenaline, things like that. Um, it's really dependent on oxygenation and blood flow to the brain. So sometimes I'll recommend to people, go see, go get a massage, you know, go because if you're, if you're constantly tight, if your neck is tight, your shoulders are up at your ears, um, if you need to see a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, anyone that can relax your neck and your shoulders and get your blood flow going, those who are into yoga, I say do inversion poses. Get the blood flowing to the brain because it's the blood that's going to be really helpful. To, that's, where, that's the highway that your hormones travel around on. Yeah. And so I do a lot of things that are actually not, um, like I'm not like here, take a birth control pill for your, you know, I'm not like here. Oh, your bloods are normal. You know, I don't know why I don't have a cycle. Good luck. You know, it's, I'm always like, okay, it's, I know it's from the brain down. So let's use herbs. Let's use um, circadian rhythm. Let's use just sort of our basics to try to restore that. Yeah. And I think I'm obviously very intrigued and very interested in these sort of questions. And what we'll tend to get over here in the UK anyway, is there's a lot of private health companies such as there's Medichex and whatnot over here because a lot of females I've spoke with, whether they're my clients or perhaps people that have reached out, they often find that when they go to their GP, their doctor, their general practitioner, um, it's like they're often sort of shunned away. If, if mm -hmm. they're not trying to um, get pregnant, you know, the doctors are often saying, oh, well, do you need a period at the moment? And it can kind of feel them 
like this sense of of kind of loss because right. it can it can mean quite a lot to to a female, especially wanting to know that one day when the time comes, maybe not now, but when the time <laughs> comes, they're able to to have children. Now, with there being so many sort of tests and whatnot out there, you mentioned that you know look at the thyroid and look at these, but do you think there was anything sort of perhaps comprehensive that they could look for privately? I know that you sort of said the Dutch test, and I think it'd be a good yeah. opportunity for you to, to tell us what that sort of entails, what, what sort of routes you go down and what it covers, because I got a client's results from this last month, and it looks like holograms to me, holograms, <laughs> right? And, and yeah. I know physiology, but I'm, I'm reaching out to um, another coach who, who can talk mm-hmm. me through them, but... Um, yeah, could you tell us a little bit more about what we should be sort of if that in that scenario we went to the doctor yeah. we're kind of shunned. That's what happens in the UK. Right. But what would your advice be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would tell him to find another doctor or find a <laughs> practitioner, right? Find a practitioner who understands hormones and who understands that holistic functional medicine. Because um, you know, I haven't I haven't mentioned. PCOS, right? Polycystic ovary syndrome is an option for women, maybe why women don't have their periods back. But what I'm assuming in a lot of your cases you describe, women had normal cycles, then they prepped, and after prep is when they lost their cycle. That's not typically PCOS. But for women listening, know that polycystic ovary is another reason. Now, what really makes me mad is when GPs blow off their women who aren't getting their cycles or their... they, they don't really have a lot of options other than the birth control pill. You know, it's, it's the birth control pill or nothing. And what I find is it's not their fault, the GP's fault. They just weren't, they just didn't get that education. That's not, that just wasn't their priority, yeah. you know, in school. And I often find um, just the general GP, not, not an OBGYN, but the general GP maybe doesn't fully understand the menstrual cycle because they do everything, right? You'll see them when you're sick. You see them when you hurt your ankle. You see them when you lose your period. You see them when you have a skin rash. And so understanding the menstrual cycle is not really their forte. So they may not realize that when you miss your menstrual cycle for that long, it puts you at risk for things like cardiovascular disease and Alzheimer's and osteoporosis, you know, bone loss, um, muscle loss, believe it or not, mental issues, memory, not even so much Alzheimer's, but I have women, I have young women that are like, I can't remember anything. estrogen plays a big role joint pain you know um, autoimmune like it's just losing your your menstrual cycle can put you at an increased risk for things we don't want things we commonly associate with a woman who's older in life menopausal i'm seeing in younger women i'm seeing in women in their 20s and 30s and i get the questions on instagram of women who say i'm reading your information on perimenopause and menopausal women but you're describing me i have hot flashes I have joint pain, I have memory issues, and I'm 26. And I'm like, hormone imbalance can happen at literally any age. We define it by kind of by age, right? Menopausal women are generally in their 50s and 60s, whereas a cycling woman, of course, is generally in her teens, 20s, 30s, and even into her 40s, of course. Sure. But when when you're young like that, when you're in your 20s, and you tell me you have hot flashes and night sweats and all these symptoms. I'm like, this is a hormone issue. We need to get this tested. Now, I do work for the Dutch test. So Dutch is an acronym. It stands for Dried Urine Test for Comprehensive Hormones. So it's literally these pieces of filter paper that you urinate on four times in the day and let dry. 
so I tell women it's kind of like taking a pregnancy test four times if you've ever taken one. It's really easy to collect. You let them dry and then mail them back to the lab. And what makes them more comprehensive than getting your bloods checked when, is that when you look at urine, you can look at your pathways. So in your blood, I can tell you what your estrogen is, but I can't tell you where it's going. In urine, I can tell you where it's going. They're called metabolites. So I can tell you not only is your estrogen at a healthy level, but I can tell you if it's going down the cancerous pathway, a, ca- a pathway that causes, we call it growth or proliferation, the less cancerous pathway. I can tell you about your detoxification, your testosterone. Women who are like, I have acne on my jawline and I have, I'm losing hair in my head. I can tell you if you have an upregulation in that pathway. It's called the 5-alpha reductase pathway. And the great thing is then we can do stuff about it. I can, I can give you dietary help and supplemental help and herbal help, nutrient help to, to try to reverse it and improve it. And that's why I like the test so much. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, someone out there listening is probably, I've picked up on two things. It's probably went, well, I don't really know what pathways are. So right. when, it, when it comes to pathways, could you just, and for, for the listener out there who's not aware, just kind of give us a rough idea of what you're meaning by that. Yeah, sure. So when you make a hormone, let's pick estrogen. You make estrogen. Um, once you're done with it, once the body has used it, it's done, it has to go somewhere. So it, it, you're, it gets pushed down detoxification pathways. And so you have three options. You have three phases to detox. In your first phase, you have three options of pathways. It's kind of like... Um, like driving, driving on the highway or the interstate, you know, like you have three lanes to choose from and then you have exits you can choose to get off on and, you know, other roads you can turn on. It's the same thing in your body. Estrogen is going down a highway and it can choose to go different places in your liver or in the, in the tissue that it's in. And the purpose of it is to make it less scary. It's to detox it out of your body. And so when I'm looking at these pathways, I want to make sure your estrogen is on the right road headed out of your body in the right direction and does not get off on any exits that might increase your risk for cancer. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, that's perfect. And then for anyone else who perhaps, they might have a rough idea of what PCOS is, but if you could give us in layman's terms what that is, what what symptoms are, because someone might be going through those symptoms not realize it and then think, oh wow, I should maybe maybe get this checked and reach out. So if you give us more info, that'd that'd be amazing. So the so PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, there are three um, sort of broad categories now that we use to diagnose it. You have to have two out of three. So the first one are high, uh, what we call, I guess, male hormones, you know, testosterone and DHEA, and the symptoms that they can cause. So these are the women who often have acne on their jawline, acne on their neck. They have hair growth in places they don't want. They're losing their hair in a male uh, pattern. Um, sort of like at the temples or at the frontal part. So that's one category. The second category is that they have um, uh, cycle irregularity. So it's either not coming or it's coming too often. They're not ovulating. They're struggling to get pregnant. And so we have, they're having a problem with uh, progesterone and ovulation. The third category is that is exactly like the name says is that they have multiple tiny cysts. Um, on their ovary. So what happens is every month your ovary releases an egg that's ovulation. Now what can happen is that that egg lives in something called a follicle. The follicle is basically the house for the ovary or for the egg. And as the, as the house gets bigger and bigger, it will suddenly stop growing 
but most of them, multiple of them will stop growing. So you never ovulate, never release an egg, and you have all these follicles, which are like cysts, we call them cysts, on your ovary. So when you get an ultrasound, the, the ultrasound technician will say, oh, you have multi polycystic ovaries on your ovaries. That's, that's, that's a problem. Now, the diagnosis is two out of three. You don't have to have, as the name implies, multiple cysts on your ovaries. You can have all the cycle issues and you can have all the acne, hair growth in places you don't want, hair, hair loss issues. That's two out of three. And that's what the, where the diagnosis comes from. I, got it. I will say, though, other things can, can mask it or mimic it. So traditional PCOS is often driven by uh, insulin. And insulin is, like, of course, with blood sugar, right? Sure. Glucose. But you can also have a PCOS-type look to you because of your high cortisol. Cortisol can actually stress, high stress. I actually, I have women that get told in their 30s, like, oh, you're PCOS. I'm like, no, you're not. You're really stressed, and it's really affecting your cycle, and it's really affecting your skin and your hair. And so it, they, it's, a, it's an incorrect diagnosis. It's the same symptoms, different reason. Yeah, I, and so this is why it's really important that if women are listening and they're like, I have those, I have all those things, talk to your GP or if your GP doesn't know, then find find a functional holistic practitioner that does know. And, and I think that's perhaps what we're lacking over yeah. here on this side of the pond, that there's there's not enough, maybe perhaps it's up and coming and, and in, the, in yeah. the industry it's being talked about more and there's some, some coaches out there and that, that will speak about it and mm-hmm. I think that that my, my next topic was literally a way to say um, about uh, frequency or, or uh, periods coming very frequently is oh, often yeah. a thing that we see or that um, clients will present themselves with on their sort of consult sheet data and you know it doesn't take a, a rocket science to look at like their lifestyle and their mm-hmm. job and realize, well, actually, you don't have any time to yourself. And, <laughs> you, you know, yeah. you probably don't have time to go to the toilet. So yeah. some things that I, I implement as a coach is getting them to do, like, guided breathing or meditation before bed. But I think what you said about the, the yoga and the, the certain poses, you, now, I'm, I'm too inflexible to hit, any sort of, <laughs> to hit any sort of pose like that. And I'm sure my clients right. will agree. But um, I was going to say... How, I mean, have you noticed a trend? Maybe perhaps this is different in the US. Do we start seeing like irregularities with the menstrual cycle? Is this on the, the rise? And if it's on the rise, like how prominent is it? Or is it perhaps just something you think, right, this is becoming problematic. We don't have stats, but it's certainly on the, on the rise. You know, it's hard to, it, I mean, I definitely think it's very prevalent, very prevalent um, for women to have either not enough the irregular cycles or too many or it alternates back and forth I hear it all the time and it's for a lot of the reasons we've already talked about it's stress it's thyroid it's you know they're they don't have any time for themselves it's their diet their lifestyle it's their um their fat tissue their adipose tissue either too much or too little like fat as the leptin is just one hormone we talked about but there are actually a lot of hormones in fat tissue that don't get a lot of research and press like they should, like it should. And so one of the big areas we haven't covered though, are chemicals. 
We call them endocrine disruptors. They're an endocrine disruptor. The endocrine system is what we're talking about. Your endocrine system is your thyroid, your pancreas, your ovaries. For men, it includes the testicles. And so these hormones, these, these chemicals look like hormones. So if you have, if your estrogen is like super happy in your body and it's at the right level, but you drink out of a hot water bottle every day, you know, you go to the store and buy it and you leave it in your hot car and you drink that water every day. The, the plastic that's leaches out the hormones into the water that you drink can look like estrogen and it can act like estrogen. And now you have all the estrogen symptoms, PMS, heavy periods, tender breasts, things like that. There's, in, there's a load of chemicals, you know, fertilizers, herbicides. I mean, there's the, our makeup and skincare industry, our cleaning care products. Um, they're unfortunately can all act like some hormones in our body. And so even if our body is doing its job, it's making our hormones at the right levels. These, these chemicals come in and they're strong and they, they can take over. And so I'm seeing that is a rise I think everyone has seen that as a rise as well. And it's hard to test them. You're not going to see it in bloods. You're not going to go to your GP and, you know, get your estrogen drawn in your bloods and then realize you have all this plastic in your body. It's really tough to tell. So, so but the research on it's really solid. So when the chemicals are ingested, I'm assuming that they obviously hang around in the body for a long time. Now, do they affect... Depends on the chemical. Okay. Depends on the chemical. Okay. Now, do they affect that you know, if we're speaking in layman's terms, they affecting that signal from the, the brain, the down regulation yeah. to the ovaries to, to tell them to ovulate or not. Um, yeah. And I mean, there's probably no sort of do's, uh, you know, must do this, must do that. But perhaps is there anything that women should avoid then to so this doesn't happen? You know, people say yeah. eat organic and stuff, but do you have certain, uh, maybe not rules or just guidelines for, for yeah. perhaps that not to happen? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm a big fan. There's a website called the Environmental Working Group, EWG. And the Environmental Working Group will rate cleaning products, skincare, makeup. I mean, they look at the food as well, or what foods are the most organic, what foods you don't necessarily need to eat organic. And so I will send women to the website. I'm like, plug in your makeup, plug in your, your, your face lotion, plug in the, the uh, spray that you use to wipe down your kitchen counter and see on a scale of how healthy or how, how toxic it, it is. And I, it's really expensive to change your whole lifestyle. I understand that completely. So I tell people, you know, just as you run out of things, look for alternatives, look up alternatives that would have less of these chemicals in it that are probably affecting you, whether it's skincare, makeup, shampoo, conditioner, cleaning in your house. I strongly advocate for filtering water the water that you drink, right? So yeah. I'm a big fan of having people buy a, even a basic water filter is better than nothing and have it in your, in your kitchen. And so when you're at home, the best you can drinking filtered water, if you're more advanced, you know, then you're looking at putting water filters on your home or at least on your shower, on your shower head, there are shower head filters. Cause think about it. You, you get in the shower, it's hot. Your skin gets hot, your pores open up and now you cover yourself in body wash and you put shampoo and conditioner on your head and all of that gets absorbed because your pores are open. Yeah. 100%. So you so but if and whatever is in your water, if your water has metals, you know, low grade, right? Everything's safe enough for humans for 
but at low grade every day, what, what are we doing? Chemicals. I mean, now they're saying the amount of medication that's in water, right? Because people flush their medications right. or they're urinating it out. So they can, they're finding all the hormones in urine, blood pressure medications, statins, antibiotics. I mean, they can find these levels in, in our water source and it's really hard to filter those out. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty scary when you think of it like that, isn't it? But I think yeah. it, it, it kind of it gives people an idea that it's the system's delicate, right? The system is delicate. This is our system is strong, but it's it can become weak. So there are people listening. There are women listening who are like, "I used to be strong, and now I feel like I'm really sensitive. Everything sets me off." Or there are people who say, "Well, no, I'm really strong. You know, none of those things bother me." And like, yet. Yeah, they don't bother you yet, but, yeah. but I don't want them to bother you. I want you to stay very strong and resilient. So if you could start with some of the baby steps, you know, start looking at labels and understanding what you put on your body and in your house, the foods that you eat, the water you drink, just the basics. Yeah. You know, what, maybe, what? maybe just start buying healthier products. 100%. I think it kind of leads me on to this, this next question. It's, it's not on the list, but I've just thought of it. And it's something that I have I, every week, every day I'm, I have a check-in and I'll, I will say these same words. And it's often referring to just letting females know that when they're at a certain part in their cycle, the digestion is going to be a little bit off. And just explaining yeah. the difference between estrogen and progesterone, where are that in the cycle. But to, to take it from yourself, who knows a lot more than me, could you give the ladies an idea of, okay, well, you know, across the month, it's okay that we feel a little bit bloated at times and maybe perhaps we're not as strong in the gym, but from a, a, a sort of basic hormonal perspective, could you give them an idea behind that so it sort of yeah. it backs yeah. up my logic would be really <laughs> And it, it, it goes back to the make a baby thing. Again, women, like I know a lot of you are thinking to yourself, but I don't want to make a baby. I know, I, it's, but biologically think that. So if the... If the first half of your cycle is just getting you prepped, then you ovulate in the middle, roughly in the middle. And the second half of your cycle, so again, if day one is your period, and let's, let's pretend you ovulate in the middle, day 14. So day 14 to day 28 is when your body is at most ready to implant a baby and to grow it. So that's when your body is going to be the most protective around your uterus. And it's going to be the most, you know, trying to be nourishing and like, hey, you need to slow down and hey, let's, you know, let's protect you because you could be trying to grow a baby right now. So in the first part of your cycle, women go, I feel really strong. I feel really good. My, my digestion is perfect. (laughs) You know, I can eat, you know, I can do all these things. And then in the second part of your cycle, the women are like, I have constipation or diarrhea or both, you know, depending. I feel more bloated. I feel more tired. I feel less motivated. I'm not as strong. I can't lift as heavy. I'm like, right. Because in theory, you're growing a baby (laughs) and so or could, you could. And so the body is honestly trying to protect you during that second part of your cycle yeah. and that, and then you flip and then your period starts and you're like, woohoo, my bloating's gone. I have so much energy. Let's do this. Like that's yeah. Cause your body's like, okay, she's not pregnant. Let's start over. I think it backs up the point that you won't be able to give it the beans in the gym across <laughs> yeah. the month. There'll be a time frame yeah. where 
it's like, right, okay. And I had this today. Um, I know she'll be listening, my client, Laura. Uh, she, she's <laughs> I just, like you just call her out. <laughs> yeah, she, she just regained her cycle after four years. Um, yeah. I think this is the second second month of recovery. And she's hating it. She was like, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit weaker. Should I expect to be like this? Should I expect to feel like this? And I was like, as much as it probably sucks compared to what you're used to, this yeah. is kind of the norm now. Um, yeah. So I, I love that you, you said that. But I guess we've spoken the whole podcast about this, you know, if you want to make a baby and you might not want to, and we get that. But I think now more than any time in the, there's a lot of women taking contraception. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, obviously, and you discussed in detail that we've got progesterone and estrogen and what they do. For a lot of, you know, pills out there there might be a different combinations of progesterone estrogen but roughly kind of very similar but what i was thinking is could you give the listeners an idea of like how do they work how do they perhaps stop women yeah. getting pregnant but then how how perhaps with what they stop might that might that affect their mood their training everything else in between that would be really really great so the birth control pill um or the patch or the ring you, there are options but most women are on the birth control pill um, it, they're fake. They're fake hormones. And the body has a feedback loop. So when you have a high amount of different hormones in your body, the brain goes, oh, it's like an orchestra. When you have a high enough, when, you know, when the note hits high enough, then the conductor goes, okay, stop. All right, then, you know, next group you go, okay, stop. It's the same in your body. So when you have high levels of progesterone, then the body goes, oh, I must have ovulated. I'm not going to meaning I must have released an egg. I'm not going to release any more. It's part of our our system as humans to only generally release one egg a month. Obviously there's twins and triplets and quadruplets out there. I know that happens, but usually it's one egg a month. Now the birth control pill being synthetic, you take it every day and every day the hormones in it, synthetic meaning fake, there are these higher levels of consistent fake hormones that tell the brain I'm in control, I'm taking over, don't ovulate. And the brain goes, okay, I won't. So the way the birth control pill works is from the brain to tell the ovary, shut down. Don't do your job. Don't make estrogen. Don't make progesterone. Don't release an egg. Don't do anything. I've got this. And that's what the birth control pill does. Now, women who have experienced this will know if you ever skip a pill or you forget a pill or you go on holiday and you forgot your pill, you'll get your period because now the brain is says, Oh, that gets gone. I'm, you know, I might, I'll start bleeding or spotting. Some women will get that effect. And so that's why, that's why women are told to take it every day consistently because it causes the complete shutdown of the ovary. If, if I was to pick your bail up and this is more a question for me. So, by taking progesterone, are you effectively shutting down that sort of hypothalamic pituitary axis, what you just said, that downregulation to the ovaries? You, you can do it even with real bioidentical progesterone. So I have women that will take, not the pill, but they will actually take replacement real progesterone, and they'll take a high dose every day from their GP, doesn't understand and will tell them to. <laughs> and they'll say to me, I'm... I, I'm not ovulating anymore. My cycles are longer than they used to. I'm like, I know because the progest- the feedback loop is the feedback loop. Like you're taking all this progesterone and the body says, oh, I must have a lot of progesterone. I must have ovulated. I'm not going to. Yeah. 
so, so when it doesn't... when perhaps the let's say a, a female will will stop taking that progesterone just all of a sudden one day goes nope i'm not going to take it anymore that feedback loop that system is that kick-started straight away so I find that if they're doing bioidentical, so real progesterone, it kicks in much, much, much faster. When they're doing the fake, the synthetic, the birth control pill, it's pretty hit or miss. Some women kick in right away, no issues. Lots of women have a lot of problem. There's a doctor here in the United States, her name is Dr. Jolene Brighton, and she's coined the term post-birth control syndrome. Because what she found was all these women were coming off the birth control pill and they all had very similar symptoms, whether being on the pill and coming off or as they came off the pill and having it, losing their cycle completely for months, sometimes years, was not uncommon. And it can cause, it can cause other symptoms. But what she, she realized that the, this, the suppression the pill caused from the brain to the ovary can last a really long time. And I'm sure you have clients that have that. I'm sure you have clients that said, yeah, I went on the pill. I've been on the pill for 10 years and I stopped because I don't want to, or maybe I do want to get pregnant. And they're like, I still haven't gotten my period back or I got one and then it never came back again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In, in that instance, and I'm sure this is like so complex. Is there any advi advice you would give out there to women saying is there anything they can implement to, help it come back or is it a case of you kind of got to go reach out to a practitioner and find out what's going on or is there anything they can do without their lifestyle that might yeah. sort of bring that help that back so there's definitely well i strongly recommend you know reaching out to a practitioner right don't don't try to do don't try to self-medicate and self-diagnose all sure, these things yeah, yeah. And, it may, and it may be other reasons it may be thyroid i mean the birth control pill can affect your thyroid it can make you hypothyroid or low thyroid and so if you may be over here doing all these things to quote detox the pill out but really it's a thyroid problem at this point and so that's why seeing a practitioner can be really helpful but i will see that same doctor dr brighton she has a book called beyond the pill and it's a it's um divided up into chapters as to do you have this symptom and what can you do about it and it's really really a good reference so when women are coming off the pill or even on the pill i will say get dr brighton's book it's, it can be really helpful when you're going through this. But if you remember, the brain works on the circadian rhythm. So a lot of these women who are on the pill, they're not sleeping that well. They're ha leading very high stress lives. They have a lot going on. Yeah. Just like you said, they're not taking a lot of time for themselves. And they've been on the pill. And so it's this double double whammy against them. Now they go off the pill, but their their rhythms in life are still all messed up. And what really helps control the rhythm of your body is melatonin, melatonin out of your pineal gland in your brain. So I'm telling these women, I need you to go to bed at a decent hour. I need you to get quality sleep, right? I need you yeah. to not be on your tablet and your phone and your computer at night, or at the very least dim lights and wear the blue light blocking glasses. And then I need you to see sunlight or full spectrum light when you wake up. I need you to just, I know it's weird to some people and I know it sounds too easy to be true. I'm like, but if this is literally how the body functions when it comes to rhythms, they've won the Nobel Peace Prize about this, what, two years ago? Wait, three years ago? Three years ago, the research of the circadian rhythm won because they realized how important it is in the body. And women work on a, on a rhythm. We have a menstrual rhythm. And so if our circadian, our light dark rhythm is off, it's absolutely gonna throw off our 
menstrual rhythm. And so I at least, I'm like, start there. Claim your life back. Yeah. Go to bed. <laughs> you know what? I'm so glad you said that. There's a there's a group of guys here in the UK called the Muscle Mentors. I've had them on, them all on this podcast. And they kind of preach circadian rhythm. And that, a lot of what they do is the foundations of what I do. And um, mm. I, I remember I work with one of them. He's doing my sort of bodybuilding prep right now. And he said to me, he says, I need you to get a walk a, a walk at first light for at least 20 minutes. And I, I was kind of like, why? I want to know, <laughs> I want to know why. Um, and he just placed emphasis on circadian rhythm and the amount of lux that you'll get from the sun versus a light bulb. And I was like, whoa. But when you think of today's society, especially when it's daylight savings, you know, how many people are waking up and it's dark? They go to work, they sit in an office, yeah. there's, there's no light. And then right. they come home and it's dark. So you suggesting going out for a walk, I love it because I get all my clients to do steps <laughs> to, to, to yeah. get their step count for, yeah. their, for their prep or their diet. So yeah. the fact that you can kind of find this correlation between taking time for yourself, getting outside, avoiding, as you said, blue lights can maybe perhaps help the regulation of your menstrual cycle. Like I find that amazing. But yeah. to the average person out there that just likes to lift a bunch of weight and stuff like that, that's probably just went in their head yeah. and just feeling like, yeah. what's going on with that? Yeah. So, yeah, it's actually, it's, it's actually defined as something. So the reason you do light in the morning and the reason you go for a walk pretty after waking, it's called the cortisol awakening response or the CAR. We call it the CAR for short. So cortisol awakening response. And it's a response that's not uh, driven by stress. And it's your body's way of switching you from conscious, my eyes are open, to alert in about 20 to 30 minutes, 20 to 45 minutes. And so when you open your eyes in the morning, I will ask people, how long does it take you to feel alert and ready to go? And if you say to me, oh, it takes me two hours and two cups of coffee, <laughs> I know, I know your circadian rhythm is off. I know your cortisol awakening response is not healthy. Because you've got, like I said, you've got about 20 to 45 minutes to make that steep incline of cortisol production. It's a natural, healthy response to prepare you for the day. And if you can't do it, if it takes you two hours, or some people say never, right? They're like, I'm always tired. <laughs> I know your circadian rhythm is off. And that rise in cortisol in the morning, specifically right there in the morning, is so important for mood and energy and autoimmune and blood sugar and pain reduction and inflammation control, just that short burst of cortisol covers so much in the body. And if you can't do it, I know you got problems. Yeah, totally. Interesting that you should mention that. In, within this industry today, and I'll know I'll use this with clients, we will tend to be trying to put in some supplements pre-bed to get the body towards parasympathetic, right? Whether we're using magnesium, zinc, or adaptogens, but it's quite common for people over here anyway, they will supplement melatonin or 5-HTP. Mm -hmm. how, how and, and the feedback I've tended to get from clients that have used it is they just wake up really groggy. Groggy, yeah. So, yeah. so, so how do you think that affects that oh. car, as you said? Is it like, yeah. does it delay it, offset yeah. it? Or? Yeah, it, well, so what I find is that um, for those people, in theory, or cortisol is supposed to be stronger than melatonin. So cortisol should be able to suppress melatonin. But if you're supplementing with melatonin, what I have seen working in a lab is that melatonin supplementation can suppress cortisol production. And so when people will take too much melatonin for them, they'll take 
one milligram, three milligrams, five milligrams. They'll take delayed release melatonin and they wake up groggy. And I'm like, way too much. You're affecting your cortisol. Now, the original, from what I understand, the original um, MIT research on melatonin is much, much smaller. It's actually 0.3 milligrams, 0.3 to 0.5 milligrams that wow. you make. So the, it's called physiologic dose, what you actually make. Yeah. And for some reason, I was trying to read the history of this. You know, supplement companies think, well, if, if 0.3 is good, then three must be better. Yeah. So, <laughs> and delayed release is even better than that. So. Yeah. I tell if you're, I'm like, it's, it's dose dependent. Try a normal dose, try a physiologic dose, try 0.3 or 0.5, which can be really hard to find. So some people have to break their one milligrams in half or they'll, they'll buy liquid melatonin and just do a, you know, teeny tiny little drop and try that instead. And some people don't need melatonin. That's the other thing they think they do. And then I, and then I will on Dutch test, we look at melatonin and I'm like, you don't have a melatonin problem. That's not your problem. It's, yeah. it's something else. So you're now overtaking something you don't need and that's why you feel groggy. Yeah, wicked. Listen, I'm, I'm well aware of time. I know you're a busy lady, but I'm going to ask you a question that um, yeah. I ask all the listeners and that is just that with anything, this doesn't need to be specific to today's episode, just what is the biggest lesson in life that you've learned? And if there's that lesson that you learn, if there's anyone going through it, what advice would you give them? Oh, the biggest lesson in life. Usually I get asked like my biggest health tip, the biggest lesson in life. Um, um, oh, so there, oh gosh, I wish I could remember her name. She's a healer. She, she's a, she's, um, oh, I, I feel terrible. I can't remember her name to give her credit. It's Christine something. I might have to email you. Sure. But I was listening. It's not so much a lesson in life, but it's like my new mantra. So she, she's all in, she's into like vibrational energy, and she was talking about various levels of vibrational energy: anger, you know, depression, pessimism, just things like that. And she said, healing happens at joy. So she said, if you can't heal, you're struggling to heal. You're you're um, you know, you're dealing with stuff in life. She said that the vibrational energy of joy, that's when healing happens. And it was a huge light bulb moment for me. And I was like, oh, joy. We need to have, and I realized as I look around at my patients and I look around at my colleagues, my coworkers, we need a lot more joy in our life. We need to go out and play. We need to pet all the dogs. You know, we need to, we need our community. We need to see our friends and do our hobbies. And I find as, adults get more into their adult life they tend to let that go you know they don't see their friends as much they don't have as much like they're happy but pure joy and i thought healing happens at joy so that's now my that's i have i journal i'm a journal i don't like meditate i'm not a meditator i'm a journaler that's that's what i do so I, i write it all the time healing happens at joy to remind myself to go find adventure and to call my you know get together with my friends and and find joy and pet my dog as much as I can and things like that. So that's my advice to people. Healing happens at joy. And if you feel like you're not healing and you're happy, but kind of find joy. I love that, man. I'm going to use that phrase. I'm going to, after after this call, I'm going to put it on my phone and just remember (laughs) it. uh, uh, And I'm sure I'll say it. And when I do, I will give you credit. And if I put, I'll put it on my Instagram story and I'll tag you. Yeah. Now, well, I got I have to find the name of the woman who's who I learned it from. I, cool. I didn't come up with it. She, I'll, I'll email, I'll, I'll email you. I'll tell sure, you who she is. Absolutely. Predator. 
So yeah. what I just thought would be a good opportunity for yourself, um, for anyone listening who is wanting to reach out to you, um, how they could do that, you know, your email or your Instagram Absolutely. or your website. So I live on Instagram. I'm very visual. Everything I do on Instagram is free. I don't have courses, classes, things you I'm trying to promote or buy. So it's at Jones, And uh, it's all hormones all the time for the most part. I cover a variety of stress and brain hormones, male hormones, female hormones, and, um, I, and just the, the herbs and then nutrients and the things, the lifestyle stuff you can do around it. Uh, and if you're interested in the test, uh, learning more about the test, every website, or excuse me, webinar, Podcaster Summit I do is on the dutchtest.com website. So you, and it's all free. Everything on there is free. So if you just want to learn more, you just want to peruse the podcast like this one, webinars I've done, you just go click the education part, webinars and podcasting. That's awesome. Learn, learn away. That's awesome. And I encourage any lady, woman out there, um, please do go do that because I'm sure you'll learn a lot more from all those resources than you would ever do speaking to just this Scottish guy from Dundee. Oh, I love talking to a Scottish guy, though. <laughs> Your so, email, for those who are listening, he sent me an email to be on his podcast, and he said, I'm Scottish with a thick Scottish accent, but I lived in Michigan for a year. And I said, I am 100% doing this podcast. <laughs> that was that was my ploy to just be like, right, I'll, I'll maybe say, I do speak English, because when I stayed in the States, people used to think that Scottish was this different language. And I was like, no, no, we <laughs> We can, we can chat in this class. Yeah. Um, but listen, I just want to say, like, for myself um, and a few of my clients who knew, who knew about this episode, um, just a thank you for everything that you do, but for giving us a really good basic understanding of what's going on with women's bodies and perhaps how they can get in control of it, control of it again. Um, and that I would just add that today's podcast, that if you are experiencing those sort of any symptoms that we've discussed, reach out to, to someone like Carrie and... I'm sure she'd be willing to help. Right, to and you to, reach out to you. <laughs> yeah, well, reach out to me, and I'll say, "Whoa, that, yeah, that, that's the lady. To, that's the lady to go to." Um, but if you, whatever you're doing out there, if you're listening from me and from Dr. Carrie Jones, give it the beans.